Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor of Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. All right, we're going to be looking at a number of different passages. We are in our Sunday evening series, Pondering the Path of Our Feet, looking at how we are walking, how we are living our life, the path that we have been existing on. And we've talked about a number of things. We are going to talk tonight about the biblical path, what we should be attempting and trying to honor the Lord with when we think of modesty. Okay, we we covered uh, the exclusivism, the dating game. We covered that for a couple of weeks. We covered a number of different things, and we're going to talk about modesty. And I promise you, uh, this is going to be taken from a biblical perspective. I know If you have grown up in independent fundamental Baptist churches, ladies, probably some of you right now are looking for an exit. You think, okay, this is, this is the time when uh, the reverend fusses at us for a number of minutes and then uh, we get to go home. Uh, That is not the purpose. We want to look at this because we have gotten off of the biblical path, I believe, when we are looking at modesty. And I don't want to try to cram it all into one night. We're going to look at a couple of different passages. We're going to start in 1 Timothy, then go to 1 Peter, and then come back to 1 Timothy again. And uh, look at a couple of different things. And after that, you can just kind of follow along. But if you have your Bible, I want you to at least turn to these first few. Okay, this modesty. Most of the time, modesty is pretty much attached to women's dress. Even as a teenager, a long time ago, I was surprised that the guys, when it was time to practice for the fellas, the guys could practice shirts and skins, and it wasn't a problem. But uh, the girls had to have gauchos with fishing weights sewed into the hymns. And... Uh, and I remember thinking, well, something seems a little bit uh, off, maybe, about this. And so I, I know that that is what has often come into play. And here's what oftentimes will come up. When we start talking about the biblical idea of modesty, people will think, okay, being modest means showing less of yourself to try to prevent arousal or interest from other people. And that's not what the biblical idea of modesty is. However... There has been a huge snapback from the many things that we tried to help God out with. Have you ever noticed that whenever we try to help God out and go beyond what his word says, we always get in trouble? This is what God says, but let me tell you, just to be safe, we're going to do this. We have to have the faith that God knew what he was doing when he wrote what he wrote. Amen? Okay. Now, one of the things that is, it's not unique, but it is special. We're not, because unique means one of a kind. We're not the only ministry to have a Christian school. But because we do have a Christian school, we do have sometimes in some places when we actually do set a dress guideline and a dress code. You have to understand dress guidelines and dress codes when set by institutions aren't set based on strict Bible guidelines. I don't know that Chick-fil-A ever said, here's what you have to wear when you come work at Chick-fil-A, but I know that they have strict dress guidelines. Do we have any Chick-fil-A workers here today that you've worked in Chick-fil-A at some point in time in your life? You fried the chicken at some point in time in your life. Probably raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of you out there. Now, I've never worked at Chick-fil-A. I worked at Bob Evans down on the farm. And when I worked at Bob Evans down on the farm, do you know what they asked me to wear? They asked me to wear this goofy-looking string tie. If you want to imagine somebody that double-tied their work boots, you know the work boots that have like the 45-foot laces, and there's just a bunch of laces left over? Put that on your neck and make it black. That's what it looked like at Bob Evans, this weird-looking tie, and had had to walk around with that. 
And Bob Evans never said, this is the tie that you have to wear to be a man. This is, this is you're going to work here. This is the institution. I don't want you to get that mixed up. We do have institutional guidelines that are institutional guidelines. But part of the problem with the institutional guidelines is that we do want to train, instruct, and help teach through everything that we do. And so this is not a defense of institutional guidelines. This is not a, an attack on women that you have to dress in potato sacks. But there is a subculture, numerous different subcultures that have developed in Christianity. Uh, there was a subculture for a long time that uh, no pants uh, could be worn, nothing uh, along those lines. There were all different kinds of things. And some of you can remember, based on how old you are, uh, you can remember when either makeup wasn't allowed or, uh, strangely enough, that one switched around. It went from not being allowed at all to being able to be clown makeup, and that was fine. We were okay with that. Uh, we had different things, you know, as far as, well, you can't do this. And, and, and many times what happens when we think about dress and modesty is many times we see folks that become reactive to that. I still remember when a, a certain uh, historical figure, young people, that you have probably read about in history books, his name was Michael, uh, last name Jackson, uh, he was singing and he would sing. And as he would sing, he would wear jackets that had lots of extra zippers on them. And he would wear a white glove. And amazingly enough, within just a few weeks of him doing that, everybody wanted to have extra zippers on their clothes. How many of you are old enough to remember the extra, the zippers to nowhere? Okay. How many of you remember the white glove? Okay. I remember at my Christian school, the baseball team could no longer wear their baseball glove except when they were batting. Because that was the rule. Well, just because you play baseball doesn't mean you should be walking around with, with a white glove. Uh, And so it's just different reactions. We're going to try to look at this biblically. But here's what has happened. Because we have different people that have set rules outside, honestly, Christendom and what we call Christendom, Christian culture, the snapback has been unbelievable. What I mean by the snapback is when, or the pendulum swing from one side to the other, where we came and we said, you can only wear this, 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 or this. Now it seems as if the pendulum has swung way over to the other side. And I did a quick little perusal on the web about different people trying to teach modesty. And I got this off of a website that was trying to teach modesty. Listen to this. And here is from a website teaching modesty, how to be modest, for young ladies. This specific website was written for young ladies. It says... There is no shame in a woman displaying her beauty or her body. There's no shame in men appreciating that or even being aroused by that beauty. Sin comes with how men handle that arousal or appreciation of the female form. Christian website that basically says, I would classify that as teachers having itching ears. But there is a balance And I think you'll be surprised at what the balance is. I'm not going to stand up here this evening and give a list or an item of clothing. Because God wrote what he wrote to handle every style that was going to come down the pike from the Roman times all the way till now. And who knows what they're going to come up with. I hope I live long enough to see the teenagers today be embarrassed for their high school photos like me and my wife are embarrassed of our high school photos. You, you heard that this is our 29th anniversary. I've had two people text me a picture of our wedding and say, I, I always thought this was your wife's first husband. Because <laughs> I look completely different. We got married in 1993. We were children of the 80s. We're going to look at uh, some basic things. We're going to look into scripture. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll go through, look at some basics, get the foundation, and then we'll tie it up next week. Uh, not next week, following week. 
So let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I ask that you'd bless this time this evening. Help us to be helpful, encouraging, and strengthening, and help us to understand or truth from your word. And I pray that you would make it clear and have your Holy Spirit teach us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Christ's precious name, amen. Look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. One of the places that modesty is mentioned. The Bible says, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. You can tell by looking at that, the idea of modesty was not dealing with the length of the robe or the tightness of the robe or the cut of the robe or the slit in the robe. It was dealing with pearls, gold. That just makes me a little nervous every time I hear that. I apologize. I just keep waiting for my head to light up. Um, Not with broided hair, costly array. The idea was not necessarily in the form or the style of the gown. It was in the purpose of the dressing. Look at 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. Turn over to 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Peter writes to ladies there in 1 Peter 3, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, remember that word adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. Now here's the thing. If you take this just at obvious, if you just read it, it says, okay, Paul is preaching against putting on apparel. No, he's not. He's not preaching against putting on apparel. You have to put on apparel. Amen? All right? He's not saying, listen, don't, don't be one of these Christians that dresses. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, your focus should not be on the adorning. It should not be the wearing of gold. It should not be the hairdo. It should not be the outfit. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is great price. For after this manner in old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, husbands, dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now this idea of modest and adorning and adorn, it all comes from the same word. It comes from the word cosmos, cosmeo. That has the idea, you've probably heard the word cosmos before. What does cosmos relate to? The world. In fact, cosmos specifically talks about the ordered universe. And so modesty, cosmos, adorning, cosmos, adorn, cosmeo. Different forms of the same idea. It's basically a proper ordered putting together. So cosmos is related uh, to cosmos and, and it connotes propriety, appropriateness, organized, purposeful. Okay? Now... You say, well, this is all dealing. You said you weren't going to be preaching against ladies, Pastor. And here you just hammered on ladies the entire time. Well, thanks for hanging on. Now go to 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3 are the requirements of a bishop. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. Paul says here is what a pastor needs to be. Here is the bare minimum requirements. Now, this does not mean, ooh, I'm not a pastor, so I don't have to do any of this. No, a pastor is supposed to be an example. Paul told Timothy, Don't let anybody look at your life and be able to cast dispersions on it. You be a pattern. And here's the pattern that Paul lays out. He says, here's the pattern that you need to be. Look down at verse 2. 
says, a bishop then, a pastor must be blameless. He can't have anything about him that you can cast aspersions on. You can't look down on his behavior, his activity. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. What phrase do you think is cosmios? Do you think it's husband of one wife? How many think it's husband of one wife? No. It's not husband of one wife. How about vigilant? Vigilant. It's not vigilant. How about sober? Oh, a few votes for sober. I can see that. How about good behavior? Good behavior. This is actually the instruction to the pastors. Listen, in your look for a pastor, in your search for finding people to ordain, to put into ministry... Find individuals who live lives that are properly ordered, who are respectable, who are cosmios, who are adorned properly. Their life fits the message. So this modesty is not just a woman's issue. It is actually a part of what the example for men is supposed to be. Now, what is modesty? Well, let's look at a couple things. You don't have to turn here, but I want to remind you, when did modesty become a thing? In the garden. Because there was a time in the garden when modesty was not a thing. Now, were they immodest? No, there was no sin. But there was a time when there was not a problem with modesty. That's in the garden. The Bible says in Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked, man and wife, and were not ashamed. They did not wear clothes. When did this modesty become an issue? Well, it became an issue when we sinned, what were we created to be? We were made in what? The likeness of God. Now, being in the likeness of God does not mean that God looks like this, that God has two legs and two arms, that God's about six foot tall or anything like that, uh, that God, uh, you know, perambulates through a crowd like this. That's not what it's talking about. We were made to be reflections of the glory of God. Sin came in, and if we're supposed to be a reflection, what normally do we look at for reflections? Mirror. You look at a mirror, a mirror is supposed to reflect. When you get in front of a mirror, you look at the mirror for the express purpose of it showing you what you are. It is reflecting your image. It's not you, right? That's what we were made to be. That's what human beings were created to be. We were created to be in the image of God, to reflect, to be a mirror of the goodness, of the holiness, of the mercy, of, the great, of everything of God. And that mirror was broken. And what happened when that mirror was broken? In verse 6 of Genesis 3 says, When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, tree to be desired to make one wise, took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave to her husband with her. He did eat, and the eyes of them both were opened. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. Sin entered. And as soon as sin entered, the opportunity to be not modest, to not be well-ordered, arrived. Now, if you don't think biblically about this in your thinking, and you are thinking, okay, before the fall, man and wife did not have any clothes and modesty wasn't an issue. How is that possible? Because modesty, thats you have to get that. It's very, very important. Being godly. I mean, listen to the whole thing. Being godly is not determined by the things that you put on. In other words, 
If you're not godly and you put on godly clothes, what are you? Not godly. Right? So you can't go in and put a righteous suit on and come out and be a righteous brother. Well, righteous person. (laughs) I caught myself. Okay? You can't come out and do that. Right? It does not change. But here's the thing. We look at things and we want to dictate. We want to order it so that, well, hey, this will do this and this will. We have to understand the biblical thinking on this modesty. Okay? Genesis 3 verse 8 says, They heard a voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. We were created to be reflections of God. And immediately after sin came, what was the very first thing that Adam and Eve began to think about? Themselves. Now, I am not going to preach against certain specific guidelines and different things, but you have to understand, you were born in sinful flesh. Sinful flesh no longer is a mirror. The mirror was broken in the Garden of Eden, and we are now magnets. We want attention. We want the glory. We don't want to reflect glory. We want people to tell us how wonderful we are. We want people to say how great we have done. We want people to notice us. If you look at advertising, when people are advertising clothes or jewelry or shoes, many times it is, hey, listen, this is made so that you will be noticed. And I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure everybody in here at some point in time, you have seen some type of fashion show and you thought, why in the world would they walk out wearing that? And you say, why would they walk out wearing it? You know why they would walk out wearing it? The same reason you walk out in different outfits. To be noticed. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, again, that everybody should, you know, necessarily dress. We should all just stop it right here. We'll go full Amish. And uh, we'll just dress like them for the rest. But understand, your understanding of modesty has to be based in, am I a magnet or am I a mirror? It's not talking about the length. It's not talking about the tightness. It's not talking about the style. It's not talking about the cut. It's not talking about those things. It is talking about when I head out into the world, do I head out with the express purpose of reflecting the glory, the goodness, the mercy, the holiness, the justice, the majesty of God? Or do I go out looking for something else? Now, I know some of you are sitting there right now going, I'm not looking for anything. I'm just looking for comfort. That's why I dress. Well, if you're looking for comfort when you dress, what's your focus? I'm not dressing, you don't dress to make somebody else comfortable, do you? (laughs) It's yourself. You see, we have a basic idea that says we want what we want and we go after this. Now listen, we were broken and instead of desiring to glorify God, we want to glorify ourselves. So here's this. If you're going to write anything down from this, and we're going to be done here in a couple minutes. Modesty is not an activity of putting on clothes. Modesty is not an activity of doing your hair a certain way or not doing your hair a certain way. Modesty is not a certain color of fingernail. Modesty is not a certain shade of lipstick. Modesty is not a certain color of nose ring or a certain number of holes in your ear or a certain thickness to the chain. Modesty is the offspring of something that only Christ can produce inside of you. And if you go back to 1 Timothy and you go back to 1 Peter and it starts talking about, okay, don't let it be the outward, 
None of us, none of us in here when we get dressed usually think, how can I adorn my inner spirit? But that is what Paul, that is what Peter is talking about. Modesty is the offspring of humility. Get that. Modesty is the offspring of humility. A humble spirit that says, I want to glorify, I want to honor God. It's going to be different. There's not, there are, are there some things that we can teach so we can across the board say, hey, yes, yes, here's the thing. But realize when God says, here's what we need to do, he is talking about you need to show the reality of what the Holy Spirit has done in your heart. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatever you do, let it reflect. Give glory to God. Now, what is humility? Really quickly, humility. Humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. Many people falsely think that humility is someone walking around, well, I'm just going to dress humble, so I'm going to go find some humble rags, I'm going to go find some humble clothes and some just drab clothes or so nobody can. You can be the exact opposite of humble by dressing in humble clothes. You can dress, you can get all kinds of attention. In Tampa, we had a couple of Buddhist monkeries, monasteries, I guess they would call them, Okay. And those monks, they give up everything and they're supposed to live a very simple, simplistic life. But have you ever seen a Buddhist monk? Traffic cone, orange robes, ground all the way up, head shaved. They catch your eye. Especially when a whole van of 12 of them show up at the Ryan's. They come walking in. It's not a modest, hey, we, we've given up everything. It, it gets folks' attention. Humility is not this idea that, well, I just, I'm, so, oh, I'm just so terrible. I'm so useless. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. It is not thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself the way God sees you. Romans 12. Don't think more highly than you ought to think, but think, do you remember? Soberly, correctly, importantly, okay? Every one of you that gets on an airplane, you want your pilot to think soberly. You want them to say to themselves, if anybody's flying this plane, I am. You don't want them up in the front going, I I just don't deserve to do this. There's other people that could probably do a better job than me. I I can mess things up. I bounced the last time. I'm just not going to fly anymore. No, you want them up there thinking serious, Right? You want them thinking soberly. This, this is what I do. This is my job. This is what's supposed to happen. Modesty is the behavior that flows out of our remembering our place in God's economy and our place of service here on this earth. Our place in God's economy is to glorify him. Our place in this earth is to love and serve others. Now you go back to those, and we'll, we'll flesh this out a little bit more next week. You go back to those, don't let it be the plaiting of the hair or the adorning of gold. Many times what it was talking about back then, in the ancient culture, okay, they did not have the way to show off their wealth many different ways like folks do now, okay? Instagram and, and Facebook, many things there, you will see all, all the time people will be showing off their wealth. They're driving this. There'll, there'll be kids that'll, you know, show off the different things that they can do. Uh, adults will say, this is how much money I made and all the rest of that. They'll be showing that. They didn't have that back in ancient times. And a way to display your wealth was to weave it into what you wore. 
There weren't banks where you could put it in there and, and, and show somebody how much you, know, you had at Merrill Lynch or whatever. It was what you would have around your neck, woven into your garment, or believe it or not, ladies, the rich folks in the ancient world would actually have folks that would do their hair up and put the family gold and the family ornaments. You're like a walking Christmas tree. You had all the bling that was in there, and as much as you think, that is so weird, just imagine how people will look at our pictures in 2,000 years, okay? How things will have changed by that time. That is how they walked around. It was not somebody walking in in Bible times with a hip-hugging miniskirt on. And Paul said, ooh, we need to wear some modest apparel. It was somebody that said, hey, I'm going to get dressed. How am I going to get dressed? Well, I'm going to get dressed to make me look good. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor Goforth, obviously you gave that up years ago, dressing to look good. I'm not saying that you can't dress to be sharp and that you shouldn't dress appropriately. But we live in a culture that says, look at me. TikTok says, look at me. Instagram says, look at me. Facebook says, look at me. I wonder how some of our teenagers are going to be able to walk by the time they're 30 the way they are contorting their bodies for photos on Instagram and doing different dances on TikTok. They are doing all of these things to try to get noticed. God says, no, understand your purpose. Your purpose is to point people to me and your purpose is to serve folks. So how do we do this today? We do this by many different ways, being immodest. Modesty goes way past what you're wearing. Modesty involves Instagram, Facebook. And listen, I know for some of you, you don't even understand why that's involved at all. I don't get why my children have to take pictures of what they eat before they eat it. But it's an important thing. And so they have to take a photo of that. And there are different folks that will get on there and will do different things, but it is this idea that is addicted. And everybody does it a little different way. Some people do it with their money. Some people do it with their bodies. Some people do it with their wealth. Some people do it with their status. Some people do it with all different things. But Christians are called not to make much of ourselves. We are called to make much of the Savior. We are not called to where we walk in, people see us and pay attention. We are called to be reflections of the image of God. And we have to understand my job as I go to church is to reflect the holiness, the goodness, the righteousness, the mercy of my Savior. Going into work, I've got to reflect this. I've got to do this. It's not about what you want to do. He is your identity. I want you to think really quickly, and we'll finish it up. What was Jesus Christ like? What does the Bible tell us about how he looked, how he comported himself? Listen to Isaiah 53. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Forever it was written down, God said when Jesus shows up, nobody would look at him and say, well, he's a sharp looking dude. He was not there to be noticed. He was not the person. He was not like King Saul, a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He didn't come in with a six pack of abs impressing people. He had no former comeliness. There was nothing that somebody looked at and, and drew attention to him. That's the way that he lived. He was submissive to the Lord's will. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a land of the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. 
Not only that, but he lived for one purpose. John 12, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment. What should I say? And what should I speak? John the Baptist had a similar philosophy. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. Modesty, I believe, as the offspring of humility, you can tell you're modest if you have been released or liberated from this idea of human approval. Now, I'm not saying, fellas, that you don't wear the tie that your wife likes. I'm not saying that you just go around and say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to dress in a duct tape suit. Because that's another way of being immodest. It's another way of saying, hey, look at me, look what's going on. It's when you purposefully say, okay, God, what is it that you want? I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. What is it that you want me to do today? And when you start doing that and you have that in your spirit, that is when the modesty comes out. It's the adorning of that spirit. It's that humility that says, God has placed me for a reason. I'm not here to have fun. I'm not here to be entertained. I'm not here to do anything. I am here to serve and to serve others. And then that expresses its way out into how we dress, how we act, how we interact, and what we do. Now, can you see the problem with, in the Grace Christian School handbook, dress as according to the humbleness of your heart, how difficult that would be? So yes, we do have to say, wear these kinds of clothes, don't wear these kinds of clothes, because we are training young people because we have an institution. But your goal is to walk humbly before God and to walk with Christ. We've mentioned this before, it's our 29th anniversary. I have been banned from buying clothes for my wife. The main reason why I have been banned is because I grew up in the 80s. And I still like those clothes. Every time I see shoulder pads, I go, oh yeah. That looks nice. Now if I could just get Day to do her bangs 14 and a half inches out from her head. And wear shoulder pads. You guys laugh, but I think that looks good. And my wife says, oh. My children, the last dress I brought, it was a, it was a blue. Where is my, my family? Oh, they're in the nursery. Oh, good, I can talk about her. Okay. It was a royal blue dress. I picked it up and thought, they said, you can't buy me any more dresses. And the girls were like, yeah, Dad, we're not football players. Mocked me, ridiculed me, made fun of me. It's a normal night in the go-forth house. Okay. Because I was looking at a particular, I'm not saying that you have to dress like a goofball but I'm saying that if I walked close with my wife and noticed and wasn't stuck on what I wanted I probably would have picked up on the fact that she hasn't worn anything with shoulder pads on it roughly since right before we got married I think but do you know what I was focused on me I'm not asking you to do anything else but focus on Christ. Walk with him. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke. Jesus Christ says, walk with me. That's where the modesty comes from. It comes from the heart. Let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. We will not have a come forward invitation about modesty. Although I'm eyeballing some of you, you need one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Next week, we will, we will flesh this out and look at some practical applications. 
in, in how we do that, how we teach that to our kids, how we teach that to our youngins, how we express that uh, from that heart of, of heart of humility. Okay? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for your love and your watch care, your patience, and Lord, your, your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to fall in love with you, to walk close with you, and Lord, to be burdened, to be that mirror, and Lord, to flesh out the areas in our life where we're not a mirror, we're a magnet. It's all about us. It's all about drawing things to ourselves. Help us to see that. Help us to understand from your Holy Spirit where that's still true in our life and help us to flee that. Lord, thank you for being patient with us and allowing us to learn these things. We love you. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Don't forget, don't forget the uh, retiring offering for Andrew Barr as you head out. Last time to give to him, and you can give on Faith Life. Thank you very much.